This episode is brought to you by NatureBox, a wonderful snack subscription service where you can get all sorts of things sent to your home or office. You can go to naturebox.com slash thumbs for half off your first NatureBox. It's May 7th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 157. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And today we're joined by our buddy, Nels Anderson. Hey, it's me, the buddy. What's your middle name, Nels? Christian. Christian. Nels Christian Anderson. Weird. Uh, Thanks, Mom. Christian Anderson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, oh and I'm gosh. not even Danish. Not not in the least bit she Danish. She just likes stories about kids being thrown into ovens. She, it's not even that. She just said, she said, I thought it sounded nice. <laughs> I'd heard she it somewhere before. She thought that because she'd heard that in her brain <laughs> like every other human. Yeah. Oh, that's Thanks, really Mom. Good. Uh, she also didn't vaccinate me when I was a child. <laughs> Hans Christian Anderson wasn't vaccinated. <laughs> Therefore, no. Good enough for him. He also uh, died of the measles when he was no. I don't know how he died. He might have. might have been the measles. Probably not. He died from a vaccination. <laughs> he died getting vaccinated. He died finally. of the first vaccination. Yeah, he was so old and frail. At the that first point. vaccination though is just a doctor like stabbing you and saying all the disease is pouring out now. That's, <laughs> that's, that's true. Bloodletting, yeah, is akin to okay. Well, as far as they know, I would like to know the history of vaccinations. Actually, like when was somebody like, I got an idea, huh? I'm gonna go read that after this. Well, anyway, first- this is Idle Thumbs, a video game podcast for you and your friends to listen to at home. Jake, it's funny you saying. I'm, I'm now not going to talk about video Visit games. Visit idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs for a free episode. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> your choice. You saying, I wonder how the history of vaccination, I'm just going to look that up in a minute, reminds me that uh, it was really interesting and nice to be in Yosemite for three days. Off and, the grid. And not have yeah. internet. The way, that, mm-hmm. the way that our conversations changed subtly into conversations that i remember having before everyone had a phone in their pocket yeah, where you're like weird. oh that movie was great you remember that guy uh i think he was in some other stuff anyway he's anyway, great whatever. <laughs> and, and so it was of, really good it was way more relaxing yeah going I to was, a place yeah. with no cell service that still had a bunch of dorks it was it was it was it was relaxing you can go to idlethumbs.net and click the download button and then go where you have no service and just listen to idle thumbs in the woods <laughs> what you have to be local you gotta, oh. gotta get those local files i see that's true um, I had a very nice time, though. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah, know if it's yeah, worth it talking really about our cool trip, but we took a cool trip. We went camping for a few nights in Yosemite, uh, <clears throat> like 12 of us. So yeah. everybody in this room, plus the rest of Campo Santo, minus our animator, who is in England. 
and uh, the guys from the Kingdom of Loathing, Kevin and Zach. And um, a few SOs. And a few significant others. Pete, yep. for one. But yeah. Yeah, and it was really great. There was so 12 of us out in the woods for a few days hiking and looking at forest for reference of, for Firewatch. I've always sort of mentally, uh, like, I think passively poo-pooed the, like, go to the place that your thing is set research oh, really? trip. Like, when I wa- hmm. like, I watched the special features for Brave, and it was like, we sent everyone to Scotland for three weeks. Like, okay, that's cool, but, like, you really need to... Is that a justifiable expense? And then I realized the only things that I've ever made. <laughs> Sorry. I like the idea of you working at Pixar as their, like, as, like, the, the finance stooge. It just, it just always <laughs> seems sort of like, yeah. it seemed more Pixar like. Comptroller. <laughs> it's always felt more like fancy, like a, a fanciful idea for, like, the story of your, of your film. Right, right. More than it's actually a value. Then I realized right. that all the things I've ever worked on professionally in games have been based on existing IP where your research trip is just to open up the two-volume omnibus of The Walking Dead or to read old Sam and Max comics. Like you, So working on this game, which is set in a specific place, going to the nearest place that we could drive to, the value was huge. It was, it was crazy good. to me. Yeah. And then, But yeah, then my brain ended up mapping going to Yosemite uh, to effectively doing research into our IP, in quotes, because that's all that, that's the only way that I've ever actually I read a story that for cars, they like rented like cars of the era that would be in the movie... And then just did Route 66, which would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, wait. I don't in know, in like, a shitty old pickup. Yeah. <laughs> just going to Yosemite with my brain already existing inside of the game that we're working on. I was really attuned to all sorts of really specific details and like just just noticed way more stuff in a very specific different way than I would have. You look at like yeah. the roots of a yeah. tree around a rock, and you would maybe if you were out there just for fun go, oh, that's cool, as opposed to like really inspecting it and wondering how it works and yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And the fact that we'd already built a tiny bit of game instead of just like before before anything existed, right? Yeah. And we just rolled out there and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. But now it's like, oh, this, this weird set of brambles might actually help solve yeah. a problem that yeah, we it's have good. for real. It also like was an interesting reminder. I was talking to Jane about this on the drive back. Like it was an interesting reminder that nature is so like inconsistent and imperfect. I mean, that's obvious. Everyone knows that intrinsically. But like. Uh, Nels, to your point, like comparing that with like, oh man, every tree, like these trees have to look really good. Like the default unity trees, like whatever, like our trees have to look great. Like thinking about stuff like that, then going out and being like, man, a lot of these trees look really shitty. (laughs) The the total effect is like amazing and magnificent, but like, man, there's just kind of like burned shit everywhere. Some of these trees are like really sparse. I wish you would have said all that out loud while hiking through majesty. (laughs) These trees are shitty. Burn beat ass trees. (laughs) Well, we were all commenting on how much burn shit there was constantly. It was like everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Like there was so. There was big wildfires in California. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know this, but I didn't realize that, yeah, there was a giant freaking fire up there, what, like last summer? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a nice reference in the case of a video game that's supposed to be close a year after a fire. But it's weird that being in. Yosemite and seeing that, like the just being able to hone in on the sort of inconsistency and uh, frequent sort of just aesthetic shittiness of nature compared to sort of your like idealized version of it, highly composed. And then in my and then the first thing that actually jumped me to when I was walking around uh, is the opposite of nature is cities and how cities are represented in fiction and how in real life there's a huge aggregate or not like in, in aggregate it's it's a city looks like a city and looks like a, a beautiful place full of history and interesting stuff. But if you design that incorrectly, you miss you miss the fact that you have like uh, 
a, uh, a like brownstone building next to a shitty seventies spackle mm-hmm. or a spackled donut shop next to a Victorian high rise, mm-hmm. and like you have, there's so much stuff inside of anything that is large and varied over time mm-hmm. that it's really easy to art direct your way out of it feeling real by mm-hmm. art directing the really shitty stuff out. Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Like as you, the trap people often falling fall into, I think is art directing things as though the thing they're depicting was itself art directed all at once. Yeah. Which is never the case. It's not true in nature. It's not true in well, human constructed I mean, settlements. Depends on which way you go on that one. Right. Right, Chris. <laughs> well, which side of that debate you land on. <laughs> sure. It's contested I, issue. It's contested I, fact. I assume Teach most people are not modeling what the world looked like at the moment it was either created or first instantiated by some kind of physical event. Huh. <laughs> Firewatchgame.com. <laughs> Godless. Yeah. It was a- <clears throat> I'm including that as a possibility. I'm just saying most people aren't making games at the moment that happened, if that's what you believe happened. There's a couple of them out there. Yeah. I guess they aren't modeling that. Yeah. Weird. I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Whenever I, I think know. of uh, like weird, hyper message driven like Christian video games, I always imagine that they were built in the build engine. What like Duke Nukem? <laughs> yeah, it's like that's the era that I think of. Is like you get a little bit of 3D, then you've just got some sprites of of weird angels and demonic things judging you. Well, because that's the stuff that like <laughs> good in Doom and stuff. Like, I mean. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Those games, so many weird 90s PC games were actually about demons and stuff. Right. Like not religious. I know. Like, well, Doom is a Christian game. Oh, true. But that was also, that feels like that's also the era where you'd found a software company whose goal was to use that technology right. to then subvert it and have your own weird positive yeah, yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, For sure. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Speaking well, of game engines, I was going to change the subject, but I was kind of excited to talk about Yosemite some more, but um, we'll come back to it. Uh, Unreal Four, I guess, like, put their entire roadmap up on Trello today, which is kind of cool. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? So Trello is—I didn't know about this Trello, but I do know what Trello is because we use it. Uh, Trello is like project management web-based software oh. that allows you to uh, create what are essentially like Post-it note boards full of tasks and then organize them and stuff. It's like it's really loosely cool. like um, Scrum inspired, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kanban. so what do they do? What did Unreal do? They took their development roadmap for the engine. Uh, over the next like eighteen months, and put it up on Trello, and are just like with time wow. estimates and like when things are going to be done, and like Crazy. as they're moving stuff around. Yeah. Is that like, mostly the VR stuff was the thing that was highlighted, sort mm-hmm. of getting uh, all so like that broad v- Morpheus, yeah, so, yeah, broad mm-hmm. VR support including Morpheus. Is Unreal Four publicly available yet? I think yeah. Didn't Ollie say yeah. he like got a subscription to it? Oh yeah, he got the like nineteen dollar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It seems like. It's so funny. We, uh, so Steve Gaynor and I went on the PC Gamer podcast, and Steve was like, "I don't know what the hell Unreal is so going to go ahead and say fuck it and like take on Unity." And like twenty four hours later, all that stuff came out of Unreal <laughs> Four being subscription based. And yeah, I think it's super et cetera, smart. Et I think it's really smart, and it's very, it's differentiated in a way where um, they're definitely going after indies more concretely. I think like th- such a cheap level like price to entry plus them saying you're going to give us five percent of your of your gross is definitely taking a broad bet on On, independent development sure yeah well on a few well it's taking a bet that a few of those will be really exactly yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. but um yeah i thought that was kind of interesting yeah i love that 
I went to open it and then I had anxiety and I didn't click on it. (laughs) I went to go look at the Trello board and I was like, if I look at this Trello board, I'm instantly going to have like distant anxiety about our Trello board. So I'm not going to look at a Trello board (laughs) and just go look at what I have to do today. Getting a video game engine is now an incredibly easy proposition to consider. It's fucking weird. And it's so different than it was like seven months ago. Like, what do you mean? I mean, I remember in like October. Oh, when we sitting were in, sitting in Dear Mom, it. like having a goddamn like crisis <laughs> with with Jake a about crisis? what crisis? I know, I know, I know, I know. Anyway, about what technology we were going to use, and now it seems like the, even that conversation would be like very different today. Which is, I don't, I don't think we would make any choices differently. But it's funny how much that stuff. There is. There would be more to talk about, for uh, sure. like how rapidly that stuff is changing. Yeah. Yeah, just the range of the range of tech that you can pick up. Yeah, for day one, very little money mm-hmm. uh, is huge. Now it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that real stuff has actually shipped on all of it too. I mean, I don't know, I don't know anyone who's made a tiny game with Unreal Four. Like, I don't. It'd be interesting to see how well that scales. I don't know down. about tiny, but people have definitely made smaller games on it. Like, there's that game, The Ball, and stuff. That's oh, not yeah, like that's true. a tiny. Yeah. That's not a tiny game, but like that's a it's definitely not what people think of size, as yeah. a traditional Unreal license which is like a yeah, big triple yeah. a yeah, that's true yeah video games <laughs> you make them was, was anti-chamber unreal or was that something yeah, else? yeah that was all yeah unreal. okay I thought yeah so. i guess that's probably kind of yeah. the the poster child because that was a it. super small team that was basically that one that guy. was alexander bruce <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and someone to help with the sound right yeah that's true I played Dark Souls or Demon Souls or whichever Souls. You played Dark Souls too, right? Yes, I get them. So wow. You you rolled through all three of them right there. I played. Good. I played only the recent one, Dark Souls uh, two. Enough. I got my beak wet. It's good. And that's all I'm gonna say is I got my beak wet over at Will Armstrong. You want to play more? And you should. Yeah, I will play more. It's really good for sure. I am a hair's breadth from finishing it. Yeah, I've like I've like maybe How actually many? hilariously I started playing it when I was down here for GDC. All the nights when. We were not out carousing. How many human hours is that? Oh, I think I just passed 60-something. Wow. Yeah. I I, I think I I played all of Dark Souls, including the DLC, and that was like 75 or 77 or something like that. So I think Dark Souls 2 is close to equitable. Yeah. It's the... Oh, God, that game is so good. Um, I guess... Did any... Chris, you played Demon's Souls. Souls. I played a lot of Demon's. I didn't actually beat it, but I did play, like... I would say couple dozen hours of yeah. demon souls yeah so but none of y'all played dark souls right nope. I, I started to and i admittedly like i think the main reason it, it didn't right stick time. is like well it, that might have been part of it but i actually it's a more boring reason which was just the pc version was just not exciting like it just yeah. wasn't good like there were i, I know people released some mods and stuff if you and I kind of patched that's way better yeah i just it was I, for some reason i just never was got excited enough about wanting to load that application on my computer. You know what I mean? Like I, I did, I mean, I played it a few times, but I just, it was never like at this point, I appreciate so much when people actually just like give a shit and make software usable. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, I I asked because like the mechanical difference, but I've heard Dark Souls two, the PC version is really good. Yes. So I downloaded that. They realized PC people care. So they did it right. (laughs) Right. Right. So like I downloaded actually, I think both at work and at home. And then, 
we but with like we went on the the Yosemite trip fell so close to the, when the PC version came out that I just or at least when I got it, yeah. Which I think was I think it came out very recently, right, uh, last Friday. That's Not what I, the one we left, but the one before that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, in any case, I I have it downloaded. I want to play it. Um, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. But I suspect some, we'll be talking about this game more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. some there's some very interesting mechanical differences between Dark Souls and Dark Souls Two that kind of changes the way the game feels in a way that's really interesting. Like. So in Demon Souls, you may remember, like, kind of, I mean, the general flow, right, is, like, you you have a campfire, and every time you rest, like, all the dudes in the entire freaking world would respawn, right? So then you just roll out, and you fight dudes until you either get to the next bonfire or you die. Um, and the thing that kind of, like, gauges that a bit is, obviously, your recovery items, right? Like, your ability to get more health back. In Demon Souls, all of the health recovery items were consumable. Like you just had to find them from dudes and pick them, mm-hmm. pick them up, um, which was interesting. But also, it sometimes was like insanely hard when you use them all up, and there wasn't an easy way to get any more. So you're just, well, this is now like ten times more difficult. So in Dark Souls, they switched it so that you had a an, an item called an Estus flask, which you could just you had you had a finite number of uses. But every single time you rested, it respawned along with all the enemies. Right? It's like a bottle. Yeah. It's like your magic bottle of goodness, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Dark Souls, they two they basically hybrid it. So you start with an Estus flask, but it's only got like one use in it. And then the enemies drop a bunch of not a bunch, but some consumable healing weapons. So it kind of ends up sitting in between the two games in terms of like how much how easy it is to keep going forward, but more complex design, <laughs> but more complex. You have so much shit in your inventory. In yeah. a po- I kind of like that. I don't know. I like that the game is just like doesn't give a fuck about oh, yeah. usability. Yeah. Like it's like the combat's really responsive. Yep. It's very unforgiving, but unforgiving is definitely like an ideology across all phases, not just the difficulty of the mm-hmm. combat scenarios, but like how easy it is to like Yeah absorb the information in yeah. a menu yeah no, i mean they, they, they so made, got the numbers are on the screen yeah fucking figure it out I was like, oh yeah. god oh my fucking they did god. make it like a little bit and i don't know if this is just like a matter of being more intentional with the actual translation from japanese but at least in dark souls 2 some of the like in dark souls some of the items have these really weird like vague descriptions about what they do in dark souls 2 it's just like oh it just does more damage when you do this like the yeah. description is just way more explicit which right. is probably sure. fine and like also just to uh, follow up on something I said earlier. Like when I was talking about really appreciating and uh, just well-designed usable software, there's definitely a strong distinction there for me between like the technical parts of like the software application and the creative choices involved yes, right, in the right. game. Right? Like I don't I mean, subscribe. I understood. To the, I understood yeah, that it was I, just buggy. I assumed you 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 yeah, knew what I meant. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify yeah, because I yeah. because one of the things that is said a lot, I think, especially when you work in this industry, probably also like on forums and stuff, I would imagine like people often talk about good design as though that is like a prescriptive, right? Like kind of obvious set of, of like pillars that all have to do with just making stuff kind of more easily consumable in the game loop. Right. And like that, like just the, like, cool, this is just easy for me to do good, good design. Like stuff is just smooth and frictionless. And like, you know, I don't subscribe to that notion in the slightest. Like, yeah, but um, it should be a decision. Not this thing is bad of because we made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this thing of is, of course, it does to actually. This thing is like, yeah, high speak, friction. Speak on to purpose. what the identity of the game is and yeah. like actually pay off in some way. That's like um, people on the. Uh, there was a post on the Adult forums um, referring to like what I was talking about with Fract last week, where I was talking about how you know that 
it just didn't feel like my time was being put to very good use in a lot of cases because I was just kind of wandering around and mm. not getting much out of it. And the person brought up games like Far Cry 2 and, and Mia's Motto, <laughs> which, you know, like people have levied similar complaints about. And, mm. you know, for some reason, for some people, maybe that's just true. But for me, I'm like, well, the difference is in Far Cry 2 and Mia's Motto, at any moment during that downtime, some crazy thing could happen. Like something totally bonkers right. could occur or like something could go wrong or something could go hilariously right. Or like right. the downtime yeah. is still like potential space. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's like, yeah, potential energy. Like, like building tension there. Yeah. yeah. Versus, you yeah. know, Whereas, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. In fact, I yeah. know that the world, like nothing's going to happen until I find the next puzzle. Then I'm just going to solve a puzzle. Right. Which is like, I, again, I don't like to just dump on that game too much because it is really creative. And like when it hits, it's, it's great. Mm -hmm. But you know, there is like a distinction there between things like, it's not one size. Game design is not one size fits all in that. Yeah, in that respect. Yeah. And some so, people like, might be perfectly happy with a more chill, exploratory totally. type of thing. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the point I was going to make was, but so there's the health item changes in Dark Souls too, but they did change this other thing where normally in those games the enemies just respawn forever, 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 right? So in Dark Souls you could kind of it's not grind per se, but you could end up in an area for a long amount of time, right? Gathering souls and just getting better and stuff. In Dark Souls 2, after the enemies are killed some certain number of times, they just go extinct and they're gone Whoa. forever. It, it's, it's a pretty high number. It's like probably a dozen, 15 times. That's not, um, that doesn't seem that high. Yeah, I guess. it's it. There's probably only like four or five areas in the game where that happened organically versus me being pissed off at one asshole that was right next to the spawn point. <laughs> just be like, dude, Wait, we're doing this, this like 15 times and you're going to be gone. Okay, so this is enemy type per area. Yes. Not enemy yeah, type it's in not, the it's game. Not across the, well. No, no, okay, no it's not I'm across like, the entire game. There's definitely a lot of guys I've killed way more than 15 yeah. times without trying. Yeah, no, no. It's like each specific enemy. And it's like literally like each individual oh, one has their own enemy. encounter. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> it's, this spawner has gone unique. Like this, yeah, this really one weird. guy has gone extinct. The, yep. the idea of like an individual, like, singular person kill him enough going extinct through, he just won't respawn <laughs> yep. yeah it's yeah. so strange yeah. like i guess what a video game specific concept. i know, yeah, I, know right? I think the theme of the game is such that like they sort of have given themselves those wiggle room oh to, like, i totally oh, buy totally that, do that. I, yeah, game exactly like that. right because that game's all about like resurrection and like yeah weird life and death shit but like, like <laughs> when stories about like resurrection and, and repetition life and and repetition like start to have micro rules it gets always really silly yeah. it's like if in groundhog day it's like well on the 41st day it's actually <laughs> right. two hours later you know what i mean right. <laughs> like i speak for some like weird design yeah. reason right yeah. for like board but, game design reasons we're like yeah but you know the, if like, they got to groundhog day just, like, three, three that would shorter. be going on for sure yeah, yeah. there'd oh, yeah. be a fucking giant leather bound <laughs> yeah. tome with all the yeah well then you have fucking the fan. opening of Groundhog Day 3 is that. It's the lore of Groundhog Day opening up in like a huge sleeping beauty. God, oh my God. Hand a giant through. leather book that was just like a perfectly yeah, like inscripted illuminated manuscript on yeah. the book. Oh. Leather Groundhog yeah. on the cover of the book. And on the 41st day, a slightly different cover of the song will play on the radio and he wakes up two minutes later. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. exactly that's what you right. said. Right, right, right. Or like the, the, the Sunny and Cher, I Got You Babe CD, like starts to skip it's at the radio station yeah. <laughs> yeah. on the 666th day an ancient evil awakens yeah Perfect. you know that yeah. kind of thing yeah but that kind of stuff ends up giving dark souls 2 kind of a different feel that the other ones yeah. didn't have which i think is like because they could have just literally just tried to make more Dark Souls, right? And, like, obviously right. that game resembles the previous one of the series Does it a make lot. it just easier? No. no. I think, like... <laughs> it can't be. No. Can't I mean, be, like... It can't be an easier thing. Because, like, in general, <laughs> once you've been through an encounter with a dude 15 goddamn times, 
you probably know how to deal with that asshole. So mm-hmm. usually it's actually just kind of nice. You're like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that dude shooting me right outside of the spawn point anymore. But um, like you but, would be able to dispatch him pretty reliably yeah, anyway exactly. if you had to. It would yeah. just be like an annoyance you don't have to deal with now. What is mm-hmm. interesting, I'd say like in aggregate, the individual enemies and a few of the bosses are harder like, across the board, I'd say the individual enemies are probably harder than they were in the previous game, and some of the bosses are definitely meaner. Jesus. Yeah. You Usually that – and I, some people have complained about this, but I actually think it's interesting that some of the bosses are, like, normally, right, you just have, like, the one giant terrible beast yeah. or some asshole with a sword the size of a Buick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And in Dark Souls 2, there are more bosses where you're fighting, like, multiple enemies at once – which wasn't a thing that happened much in the previous years, and I think it kind of forces you to engage with the combat systems in a different way, in a way that I like. Like, you kind of have to be more... You, it's not just you mono a mono and you only have to care about what one other enemy is doing. Now you kind of have to care about your positioning relative to the dude you're trying to kill, <sighs> but hard. also yeah, that sounds terrifying. The it's other guys the, around like, the and, targeting, yeah. like the the Z targeting mechanic in the game, is fucking bad. <laughs> so it's just like, who am I looking at? Who am I looking at? Like you get a feel for I it. Feel obviously, that way, yeah. honestly, about pretty much every Z targeting system in any game. It's so rare for me to yeah. actually like. I'm not saying on softer games like, like other Wind people. Waker or something like I know that, some people just deal with it. are just used yeah. to it, so I'm not yeah. like issuing a judgment about the quality of such systems. Mm-hmm. I just know for me, like for whatever reason, my like instincts almost never mesh with that like super well. Yeah, yeah. a buddy. Of- I like them conceptually a lot. Yeah, the the other uh, guy I used to work with at Clay, um, the dude who basically built all the n- levels on Ninja that I didn't build, he played Dark Souls, but he didn't realize there was a targeting system oh, for man. like the first ten hours of play. So he's like, I don't get why you guys like this game so much. Like the combat's <laughs> really shitty, and I'm always getting stabbed in the back. And we're like, it took like probably about an entire hour long lunch conversation for us to figure out he just didn't know there was a right. targeting system. The and alternative that- version of that. Is that he just becomes the most terrifying lord who's ever? Well, so played. that was the thing. So when he finally, when he finally figured out, he's like, "Oh, this game isn't actually that bad at all." <laughs> right. I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, yeah, that game is good. You should play more. I want to. I want to hear what you. Another about thing it. I like about that game is your guy is ugly. Oh <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty ugly. I remember uh, that's true. I like that your main games. guy is just like an ugly dead dude. Yeah, just a just a crypt man. Yeah. So <laughs> another another like Do they minor... still have the insanely weirdly detailed character customization. Oh yes. Oh yes. It is nuts. Um, but one of the other mechanical changes in in the very first one in Demon Souls, whenever you died, like you were either human or hollow, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. whenever you died, it was just your health bar was straight straight up cut in half. Um, and in Dark Souls, they didn't they didn't have that system. Um, they kind of brought it back in Dark Souls 2, except every time you die, it just takes off a little chunk of your health, and you'll eventually go all the way down to half. Except that also reflects on your character's appearance. So mm. normally you're human. You die once, oh. and you're just like a little pallid. I started playing in the middle of a dead guy. So <laughs> yeah, and then save, you yeah. die more, and you just get like greener and more shriveled until <laughs> when you're half health, you're just this just fucking rotting corpse of the crypt mess. Keeper. It's amazing. Yeah, you just turn into the crypt keeper. It's, it's like can greener. You ever get that back? Yeah, whenever okay. you get those, although they're way rarer in Dark Souls 2 than they are in Dark Souls, but there are items that you slam into yourself and you become fully human again. Mm-hmm. But also means assholes can then show up in your game and murder you, <laughs> which is <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> I kind of, I only watched, I watched Chris play some Demon Souls and the way that the sort of passive multiplayer stuff worked in that i don't know uh anything about how multiplayer stuff works in dark souls it's changed between all the games as well um i mean fundamentally there's kind of like 
there's the two basic versions where either so you can put you can put like a special mark on the ground right. and again this all only works whenever you're uh, inviting other people uh, okay i'm not gonna get into it it's complicated but basically you can write like a special little mark on the ground and then if someone and that mark then appears just in everyone else's game or right. some subset however right. the it just sort networking of it picks thing. if you yeah. see that or not whatever yeah. yeah and then if somebody else rolls across it they can just step on it hit a button and then they'll pull you into their game and then you guys can work together and help out until you kind of kill the area's boss and then you get punted back to your own world. So you can obviously do the same thing in reverse, right? You can pull people into your game and they'll help you out. But also there are items you can get where instead you can invade other people's worlds. So instead of you trying to help out a pal, you're just trying to murder that guy. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of other complexities that gets added on top of that where there's there inside the game there are these covenants that also change between Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 where you join them and they're all multiplayer related. So depending on which one you join, you can do different stuff where there's like, basically everyone has an asshole score, basically. Like the more shit you did that's just mean, the higher your asshole score. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) And then there's one covenant where basically all you do is you invade people who have high asshole scores. So you're basically just being like, you're mean. I'm going to come and kick you in the butt. So you join a covenant that trolls trolls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and there's a bunch of other stuff in Dark Souls 2 where there's like certain areas that are protected by people and it's really good. It's really complicated. But yeah. it's fucking delicious. It's so confusing. Yeah. It sounds like a game that a Vanaman might get into too much. If you... If you it has all, you the, dive it has in all the... has checks all the boxes. Yeah. There's yeah. one particular covenant that if, if it's to your flavor, then... And it was certainly to mine. You will enjoy it uh, for is? a very long time. It yeah, is the. I'm not. I'm not even gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna let you discover it naturally. But okay. it is. It's the. Uh, yeah. You'll find it. You'll know which one it is when you find it. This is dumb oh, to I'm say, and this is probably only because I play Dota. But Dark Souls feels like a game that could probably be a very compelling free-to-play platform with all that complexity. I feel like you could probably bad person wow. on this podcast. <laughs> wow, I'm just saying you How do we probably could with so much <laughs> of that shit already succeeded like, into what the game could be. You probably could do that. I'm not saying you should. You know what's really cool about Dark Souls Two? <laughs> the Jurassic- it's a game that you buy and has all of it in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Necessarily- I'm not as anti. I'm not as anti free to play as you guys. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like. I mean, the biggest challenge, and this is always a challenge with anyone who tries to make a free-to-play game out of something that shouldn't be free-to-play, is, like, if there's a finite start point and end point... I'm not saying you could just flip a switch on Dark Souls, uh, yeah, too. Okay. I'm saying that, like, you're there's saying enough... You're saying compl- a hat store could drop into There's so that much easy. complexity there. There's so much <laughs> complexity there that you could probably, if you were starting from scratch, or starting with everything that Dark, a Dark Souls game yeah. could be... You could probably make something pretty good. What, also, because these games have like no fucking rules, it seems like if you go to a Dark Souls design meeting and go like, "That's not what a Dark Souls game is," they kick you out because yeah. they're just like, "No, whatever." We're they can only fifteen deaths and they are extinct now. Yeah, I re- I just made that up. <laughs> you know, like yeah. which I think is really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, the other interesting thing about I'm just gonna keep talking about it until you guys tell me to stop. It's fine. But this Dark Souls Two was the first one that was directed by someone else. Like the the main guy between the first two games was uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki, and Totoro. Nope, different one. <laughs> oh, um, brother. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Sean Vanaman. <laughs> um, but so yeah, sister. This was know. the um. This was the first one that was directed by somebody else because uh, Miyazaki is off working on supposedly like Totoro uh, two. Uh, yeah, Totoro 2 the adventures of Totoro's corpse um 
God, a Totoro skeleton would be the fucking weirdest looking thing. It'd be so fucking creepy. Would it just be mainly a big rib cage? But their heads are big. Someone has they grown those- this already, and it's been reblogged a million times on Tumblr. We can find a little Totoro cutaway <laughs> Totoro for skeleton. you. Oh, a Totoro skeleton would bum me out. Uh, yeah. Will bum me out uh, <laughs> when I look it up at the break. Um, yeah. But he's off working on supposedly like the the current gen PS4, Xbox, whatever fancy like successor to Dark Souls. It was cool. kind of cool seeing a different group of people's take on yeah, the game. That stuff is often very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, did you find a Totoro skeleton? There's a few Totoro skeletons. What? What? Totoro skeleton have, on Google. I don't like search. this one. This one's stupid. Oh, DeviantArt is the home of Totoro skeletons. This one, sure. this one <laughs> on DeviantArt. Oh, I don't mind that one so much. This one, I don't like this one because it makes the, it, it formula, it, Radio. <laughs> the, okay, I'm looking at a Totoro skeleton where the apex of the Totoro's, like, girth is defined by massive hip bones and I don't yeah. like it. Well, that's about how it works. That's yeah. pretty weird. Let's see what that one looks like. Yeah, this is a superior skeleton. <laughs> speaking of radio, speaking in the Let's middle of yawn, a yawn look at like Totoro a skeleton. fucking asshole. <laughs> Let's talk about other things on the internet. Oh, this one? Oh, I don't like this one either. <laughs> <laughs> These are all shit. I just want to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bye. Video games. Keep talking about Totoro hips. <laughs> <laughs> bringing the fucking hits, man. Bringing all the good stuff. Hmm. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Sherry's Berries. You can oh, go to yes. berries.com. <laughs> Chris comes back thumbs. to life. <laughs> no, it's not slash thumbs. Oh. You got to click that microphone. You go to B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com, click the microphone uh, in the top right-hand corner and type in thumbs. Absolutely you right. You get a custom version of the site that shows you what cool deals you get. For and listening to our podcast. Dear reader, mm. you need to know something. I guarantee you, you don't know this because you're probably like me. Mother's Day is on Sunday. Sunday. May 11th. May 11th. So you still have time oh, shit, it's to Wednesday. go to yeah, berries.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, See how correct he is? But if you go to berries.com and click on the microphone and use the code thumbs, you can get a deal on sending your mom some delicious. Just strawberries the size oh, of mangoes. They're not, the size, of not they're, the size of mangoes. They're big, small, tiny mangoes. <laughs> Unripe mangoes. <laughs> Miniature mangoes. Large, large berries. They're the size large, of like delicious, a plum. Delicious strawberries yeah. dipped in many varieties of chocolate and covered in things like nuts and other chocolate chips. Mm-hmm. It's good. They sent us some when we ate them. Yeah. Yep. And the nice thing about the site is you can go there and you can see the earliest upon earliest date it will be delivered so you do you can order with confidence knowing that it'll get there in time for mother's day or you can be like me and be like mom happy mother's day there's something coming in the mail tomorrow because <laughs> that's what i do what if it was uh, a half dozen strawberries for shipped for 19.99 or double it to a dozen for ten dollars more exactly right yeah, yeah. b-e-r-r-i-e-s dot com click, click that microphone, that microphone <laughs> type in thumbs you get them. sweet deals on sweet berries. By saying eat them, I'm implying that you will order them for yourself, Goodbye. which is also recommended. Eat them is actually an, an acronym for making your mom happy. Eat, excite and tantalize, tantalize a mom. <laughs> eat them. Eat them. Every mom. Eat them. Eat them. Good. Okay. You're listening to Eat AM. <laughs> That's wow. unfortunately what I thought too. <laughs> Also sponsoring the podcast this week is Loot Crate. You can go to lootcrate.com slash thumbs for 10% off your first Loot Crate. And Loot Crate is a 
delivery service will send you a box of secret goods that could be sort of like dork apparel, yeah, um, like collectible stuff, things like this. Um, they're doing this month, I guess, some sort of like event- adventure themed loot crate. So you can get things from like Zelda and Adventure Time uh, and other adventure esque mm-hmm. IP. Uh, and I think there's like a, some sort of like adventure shirt that's been getting packed in this month. But if you go to lootcrate.com before like I think the 9th or the 19th, it's the 19th, 19th of every month, you can get in on that month's deal. But once they're gone, they're gone. And they're $13.37. Not including shipping and handling. Whoa. But you can get 10% off that by going to lootcrate.com slash. You can make it say some sort of hacker speak that is not the word elite if you use the alpha of this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Yes. Oh, I just thought that was a. It's for like elite, elite hackers. Yeah. Huh. Like Sandra Bullock. One might yes. call them elite hacksaws. One mm-hmm. would call them that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Lootcrate.com slash thumbs. Video games. Ollie and I talked for about 20 Le- minutes last night about wanting to watch hackers. I would watch it. Yeah. I really want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Remember when you're a user. God, if they put a hackers t-shirt inside of a loot crate, I'd be fucking <laughs> It just says hacker stoked. planet. Oh, man. Stoked. Yeah. Remember when you went to Macworld? Anyway. Yeah, there's that big banner for eWorld. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Remember, Chris, when your username was Remixor and with a zero mm-hmm. and how cool that was? Because it's like Chris Ramo, but it's like like Remix, <laughs> but like with a zero because you're yeah. like elite. Did it have a zero in it? Is that true? I, I think the O was a zero. Really? I thought it was a zero. No, I don't think so. In my brain, it was a zero because it was a capital O. Yeah, I don't think it you was. You had an AOL account that was Remixor. I did have an AOL account. Because I have you on my... But I don't think it was a zero. You have, I still Maybe. have you on my iChat. I can't remember or not. It's been years and years and years. There's probably no way to find out. Because we're recording this off the grid in the middle of Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a lead hacksaw, hack Chris Ramos' aim account and pretend to be him. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please just don't do that. Go hack Nick Reagan's live journal account instead. He's not even here to defend himself. I know. God, I was trying to figure out a way to do a really good Nick Brecken impression. Yeah, I was trying to do the same like, thing. Didn't like, work. <laughs> going through like the flat file, and I was like, I don't got it in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most dubious break tone. Video games. Yeah. And we're back. We are? I think so. Whoa. Are we actually back? We have a box of reader mail. Yeah, I was about to say, there's this box on the Yeah, board. well, I mean. We got that. Probably not the only reader mail we want to do. But definitely the most concrete. We got um, I like how this a number of people called us out for oh! the Unfinished Swan thing. Oh, that's not just a game about shooting ink. No, that's like one, the only. That's one like the level. first then quarter. The entire rest of the game is like other stuff. Yeah, I played a ton of that game. You maybe played it before. I, like yeah, you might have played an IGF build or something, but because yeah. yeah. that's what I played as well. Oh, okay. yeah. There's basically four worlds, and then the first one. Um, is but the guy who made it was like, "Hey guys, thanks for mentioning it." But, but your shit like, bags. Anyway, here's a code for PS3. So you can correct your ignorance. San Esposito. Ian Former Dal- Telltale intern. Yeah, Ian Dallas was he was a writer at Telltale. He oh. wrote uh, Ice Station Whoa, really? Santa. Yeah, and then he left to make Unfinished Swan. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, I guess I we don't have any stations in here, so we can't even use it. I have a weekend. I will do it. There's a PlayStation Three under my desk. And here, it's where it keeps yeah. it. Huh. Oh, that's PlayStation Three I used to play Dark Souls Two. Oh, yeah. we should just at some point do that. I kind of just yeah, I want to rearrange all this stuff. Unfinished Swan is actually really cool. Yeah, no, I'd like to. No, I'd it's like awesome. I when we mentioned it offhandedly, it was not to diminish the game at no, all no. it was simply to no, clearly wasn't. draw a comparison to yeah. it being a good use of abstract i don't space. think anyone's i don't think any anyone interpreted us as being <clears> negative <throat> on it they just were like you should actually probably play more than one level of it is what i think the implication was uh, but i don't think anyone took it yeah. as a slam yeah 
It's more than a level because I have definitely yeah. It is basically the full. I have first definitely third completed of the game. many oh, okay. levels of okay. that game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I have I have some interesting robot news. It was just sent to me on Twitter. Are we back enough oh. to talk about it? Just, 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 oh, we're not on the we're not on the podcast right now. No. no. Oh. Revelation. I, I was I was I was I was I thought we were on the podcast. I mean, we think we could be. Do you want all that on the podcast? I don't need. I don't need to know. I guess. I'll just assume <laughs> that my entire life is on the podcast now. Safe bet. No, don't. Then you'll burn everything all the time. That's true. <laughs> I'll become a cast arsonist. <laughs> like that. Johnny Carsonist. They call me. <laughs> They don't call you that. No one calls you that. Shit. Come on. <laughs> you just looked at me like you were a disappointed dad. I was. Video me drinking whole milk is going to make my already bad diction even better. <laughs> it's just going to be soupy mouth. This week on Soupy Mouth, <laughs> Nels is here. <laughs> what? That, that was not even weird. That's a little weird. Nels, you don't even know what weird is anymore. <laughs> That's true. Video games. Hey, I hear we're back. We are back. Oh. I hear robots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are back, so it sounds like we are robotic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, robot news. I was sent an article that uh, posed some interesting ethical quandaries about uh, robotic cars. And that like self-driving cars, self-driving cars, or like transformers, right. not <laughs> about Bumblebee. <laughs> you were sent an article about the really questionable racist robots in Transformers 2. Yeah. Like jive talking yeah. robots. <laughs> okay. Um, no, what was, what's, what's this actually about? <laughs> the article, it was an op-ed. It was sort of an inquiry in like just sort of like a thought experiment about, um, crash optimization algorithms so imagine a robotic car is like cruising down the 405 and a wreck is going to happen like a car comes barreling into its lane and the car has no guaranteed escape route for safety and can't break in time but could either hit like the like tiny Acura that's barreling into its lane or the safe Volvo SUV to its left. And Volvo's oh. with like really high crash ratings, like really low, like, like uh mortality rates in their crashes. Guarant like this, like hitting the Volvo. Where it's like statistically, this is more likely to save lives than to exactly than to- right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have to write these crash algorithms. Like, what do you do in these situations? How does the car react? Yeah. Right? Like, it can't just not do anything. So, how do you begin to make these decisions? And then another one was, like, two motorcyclists riding down the road. And a wreck is going to happen. And you can either hit the one wearing a helmet or the one not wearing a helmet. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking A, dude. Jesus. It's really interesting I mean, it's there are interesting lines of thought. There. Also, when the robots become self-aware, they're just going to reverse the ranking of all those algorithms and figure out which is the ones that can cross 
cause most property and human damage. These are the most <laughs> passive-aggressive robots. They would still drive our cars. They would just wait for accidents to happen. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, I'll take you to the mall. But if we get but in trouble, if an Acura comes I by, I'm killing everyone. You. <laughs> you give me an inch, I'm taking a mile. Right. <laughs> if there's any, any chance that you can say, well, I'm sure the robot was doing the best job that it could, I was not doing that. <laughs> These are just the fucking winky robots from iRobot, the Will Smith movie. They all start getting, like, sort of chippy. Like yeah. they start take, they do exactly what you're that. saying. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, it's not just like it. The like giant robot takeover is sort of like a like slow slide where like Will Smith sees a robot do something that's like breaks like <laughs> sort of like come, cartoon like cartoonish villains. Yeah, the robot yeah. sort of like tiptoes up to the Asimov's <laughs> rules and just like puts right. one toe over. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those are the robots that you're imagining yeah. inside these cars that don't just start our like, cars are driving our cars into our more spectacular than they're programmed to cause. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's the way it is. It's better that way. I think there's it's not just a, a fucking like Escalade crashing through a movie screen. Like, it just drives into a theater of a, a giant group of people. Well, the Escalade crashes through to a movie screen, but it's a drive-in theater. Then all the other cars crash into that Escalade. <laughs> God, I like oh. your future better. We're somehow driving theaters are back in vogue. Why not? Driving your car's got everything you need. You're no. living in your car. No, right. Yeah. Take your It's actually a God, drive-in theater, but future... it's, a, it's a shitty cyberpunk drive-in theater where there isn't even a screen. The cars all just congregate for, like, snack snack bar purposes but everyone's windshield just proje- projects a 4k movie on it. <laughs> yeah what if in the future we're all just nomads and self-driving cars i was just gonna say that <sighs> like the, the like the vector Who needs the san francisco real estate market self-driving car say, plus like the volkswagen rent. van <laughs> right perfect until they all start crashing into each other aggressively to end human life <laughs> yeah so i'm good but it's it i don't know it's interesting because like no the actual conversation is yeah. really interesting yeah really. you guys think we'll ever have in our lifetimes, cars that don't ship with steering wheels or accelerator pedals? I think so. Yeah. In our yeah. lifetimes, yeah. yeah. When we're really, really old, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. How old are we now? I don't know. I <laughs> hope I'm 30 in a month. I hope that they get smaller yeah. and smaller and weirdly downplayed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Away. Like, I want yeah, yeah, yeah. They basically turn into, like, the yeah. appendix. Yes, yeah, so you can go. Emergency <laughs> steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what, what, what I did want. we have 50 uh, the years The steering ago. wheel. What was, what was oh, we had, um, is that a stooge job? Oh, money, fucking hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was trying to get there and I couldn't get there. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Cash. <laughs> Ring of fire. No crap. Yeah. God. When John. Ago, we had cars you could fix, am I right? Cars made in America, am I right? Just think about when you no seatbelts, right? You <laughs> <laughs> could smoke on airplanes. <laughs> Bob Hope was still alive. Smoking on an airplane. <laughs> Self-driving airplane. It was. What? Yeah. What do we have? To, why do you, what were you trying to... Oh, I was just trying to answer Chris's question by thinking about... like We what, had leaded gasoline. Long. That was 1970-ish. Yeah. 60, whatever. Yeah. I don't think leaded gasoline was fully gone until like early 90s, maybe? Yeah, it wasn't. I think so. Why can't I subtract 50 from 2014? What's wrong with me? I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. I'll just let you 1964. You, you did it! <laughs> From 2014? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Wow, we're, we're all terrible. We weren't even on the moon. We don't know how to do math. Yeah, we weren't yeah. even fucking on the moon 50 years ago. Yeah. And now we're kind of on the moon. Now we gave up. <laughs> Thinking about it? Yeah. We weren't even on the moon then, like we are not now. <laughs> <laughs> but we left some garbage up there, so that's pretty good. We did leave some garbage. That's like a flag. 
What a poignant metaphor. Hmm. We got some garbage up there. <laughs> garbage on a flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Manifest destiny. Yeah, that, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no steering wheel. I think that's. I think that's. I mean, I mean obviously, so many, so many cars are right now are already just like drive by wire, right? So it's like a pretty like inconsequential jump to just take the steering wheel off to drive by mind. Why not? And then replace your mind with a robot mind. Robot, robot mind. Why well, I think with a replace your mind with a steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> You'll a <laughs> robot will sit in the back seat. And turn the wheel that's plugged into the back of your head. Plug <laughs> you a USB port. Plug a USB God. compatible plug into the, the back, back of your seat. The backseat robot driver is so much. I guess we have that now. I would like, turn I have, left. Shut up. I have that now. <laughs> I have the fucking. Dude, it's not a guy. <laughs> it can be. Passive aggressive Google voice would be good. Of just. <sighs> well, they have those the Tom Tom voices roots. you can download. You can get like DL. There's like Tom Tom DLC where you can get like Homer Simpson be like, take a left. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you just want. Just, Okay, fine, fine, oh. fuck it. I guess you don't want to go there then. Uh, recalculating <laughs> the route <laughs> again. Don't worry, I have nothing else to do. I'll just... <laughs> this is just my job, I guess. I thought we were going to get gas. Now, I mean, I... I mean... this. Whatever. Right, look, you're driving. We'll get there still. <laughs> Whatever you say. You can just turn me off. You know that, right? You can just turn me off. Stand-up act from 2003 that had this joke in it. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, but now I know it. Like Dave Coulier told this in an Indian casino in 2004. (laughs) (laughs) Want to do actual reader mail that is not generated by a robot? Do you want to start with uh, electronic mail or physical mail? We should start with the physical mail. We should start with this box which appeared. I know why you want to start with physical mail because you want to enjoy physical mail while perusing electronic mail. I know you, Jake Rodkin. I know you better than you know yourself. I think that I know what's in this box that arrived, so I feel we should open it and then... uh, It's a fucking nest of spiders. It's fine. I was going to say it was bees. This is a large box that was sent to us. I mean, It's a lot of spiders. Or bees. (laughs) This is like... How do I open A couple feet in each dimension. A couple feet long, anyway. Significant box. Well... Oh, God! Well, you got to talk to your mic. All right. Yep. First and foremost, well, we know who this is from. Yes. This is from Dearest Idol Thumbs longtime reader, David Wang, mm-hmm. working Secret diligently to keep the lights on in Pennsylvania in his nuclear reactor. Also looking to get Whoa. you all diabetes. Oh, my God. This is more nerds rope. Nerds rope chub pad. There is a, this is a, there's a collection of nerds, nerds ropes that would basically be stocked in a Costco. <laughs> So. They'd say it would be stocked in like a gas in a gas station yeah. candy store. Costco oh would stock God. boxes. Well, the gas of these. station candy store would sell you a nerd's rope yes. from this at a time. And now we have oh my God. a giant box of goldfish because Chris loves things of this form factor and Holy like does not like sweets. That is actually what I this is what I love the most. Your eyes are the size of dinner dinner supermarket box. Your eyes are the size of the giant, blown-up, sassy sunglasses wearing goldfish. Can I tell you the best thing about (laughs) goldfish? Pepperidge Farm goldfish snack (laughs) crackers packaging. I'm going to give it to you in one second. Is there's this guy, their mascot. Yeah. And they always put... No, 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 no. Please. His name is Finn because they always write his name <laughs> real small and aerial and it's say re- registered it's, trademark it's next to it. <laughs> wow! In every use you can it's, see you know, it. You're, you're so totally you can right. see this this fish on this box of goldfish, and then the package of goldfish on the box of goldfish, which also has Finn on it, which is also labeled. Also, uh, another God. thing, I enjoy, another stupid detail I enjoy about the Fucking goldfish Finn. packaging 
is, it, is that is he Finnegan? Is it short for? Yeah. Is they it always have they always have pictures of a few or Phineas. like individual goldfish crackers, or he's from but Finland. like most of them don't have the face on it. So they're suggesting that in this world, it's not <laughs> like fish in general are like happy and have faces. Like some of them are just fish, but some of them are like Finding Nemo's. I think no, no, no. I, what I think is that. <laughs> The Nemo fish lives in a world where goldfish brand snack crackers also exist. And are, are the size of him? Yes. Maybe he's really small. You want to live in this world. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm holding, I'm holding a pillow that's like the size of a throw pillow yeah. that you would see on a regular couch. Yeah. If that was a goldfish cracker... I don't know if I'd be into that. You would not cover like it in some sort you, of... Like, I'd like came with you could toss a few goldfish <laughs> into your mouth, mouth at once. You wouldn't just want one right in your face? <laughs> well, you take a, These things are like hollow and light. Everybody's so who, had goldfish crackers. I'm not saying that to like inform you. I'm saying, saying these these are the <laughs> properties that I'm discussing now. Okay. So like to bite into an like a three foot goldfish cracker, I feel like it would just all kind of cr- it would be a disaster. Like it would be a crumbly disaster. I bet it'd be a feat of engineering to make one. Yeah. Because you'd have to get the inside crisp the yeah. way the outside is. Yeah. Mm. Should be challenging, I think. Yeah. Like but David Wang could figure it out. He's a smart guy. Probably. Yeah. Start noodling on that in your downtime. <laughs> These goldfish baked snack crackers are great for home, vending, and business. All of my favorite ways to enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> vending, I hope, is chief among them. Yep. Right, and lastly, a box of Big Hunk. Well, I don't even know what Big Hunk oh, is. I don't know either. Annabelle's Big At least Hunk. It's not I big... feel like Big Hunk has been rebranded. Could it be. is a chewy, honey-sweetened nougat with whole roasted peanuts... And then I almost kept reading to say dolce chicoloso con cacahuetes, tostidados, <laughs> <laughs> and dosado con miel. <laughs> God, cacahuetes is the best word. It's Spanish for peanut. Mm. Peanuts. I'm not going to disagree with that. And then uh, for Nick, there is, um, looks to be some sort of air plus storo pack. <laughs> what would you call this? Packing I call air? call it protective <laughs> air balloon packaging. This is really important, by the way. We don't want these big hunks getting dented. Anyway, this is delightful. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks, it, David. It's worth pointing out that though we have not so played nice. many games this week because we were in Yosemite, basically every game is coming out right now. Because Transistor is, is coming out. May 20th. Sports. Yep. Yeah, May, the month of May is <gasps> the month of video Sports games. Friends came out to yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, oh, we are out. monsters. Uh, Hack and Slash is in early access from Double Fine. Super Time Force is from Capcom. Oh, is coming out this month. Oh, Super Time Force is so good. Coming out this month, though. It's not out. It's, it's not out. Yeah. 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 What's the date on Super? Also, God, for people who are into that, and soon. I've been—I've basically been convinced by readers that I needed to play through all of it. The th- uh, actually, oh, Kentucky oh, Route Zero is oh, out. Zero. Yeah, it uh, came out yesterday too. Yeah, it's out. Um, Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, ain't it great? Watch underscore dogs. That's not out yet. No, it's no. Not, it's this month though. Man, yeah. Watch Dogs. Has there been early buzz about that? Because I thought that game was supposed to be about. There was tons of like. Like I mean, like E3 recently. buzz yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I no. thought it was the supposed to be for kind of like sedate, and then there was a spider yeah. tank, and I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. Mm. And it like, got a little metal geary, and it's that, yeah. and also just like hardcore guy like has a gun. Like it just isn't what I thought they were selling that game as originally, but I guess so. so. You've played a lot of Super Time Force. I haven't played like tons and tons, but I have played it a few times. It's good. It's really good. I, well, I think it's really good. Yeah, it's. It's single player, but it's it's single player co op. But it uses the like the sort of rewind and play against or play in in play co op with your own with ghost your ghosts times yeah. a lot but of like, guys. Yeah, but instead of instead of it's just a bunch of ghosts of the same character, it's like you keep adding on new characters. 
with different weapons and abilities and stuff. In- oh, okay. Including it's- a dolphin named Dolphin Lundgren. True. That was the point where I was sold. <laughs> it's it's really fun though. Like it's, <laughs> it's a good. It's um. God, I forget what we were. What is the our game we were talking about that had like a hardcore kind of arcade feel? Contra. Oh, it's when we were talking about Luftwaffe's actually. <laughs> like you know. But see, this the reason I brought it up is we're because probably talking about Luftwaffe's and Nuclear Throne. Or... Nuclear Throne, probably. Yeah. Mm. Like in the context of feeling like kind of classic mm. games in the vein of something like Contra, but being unmistakably modern in their actual execution, like not actually being just like full on retro throwbacks. Right. And that's, that's how I feel about um, super time force. Like it, it draws from things like metal slug and Contra in, in just like the intensity and kind of a lot of the surface level elements, but it has this crazy like time. Yeah. When you see footage is, of super time force and you don't know what it is, it looks like four player like co-op, co-op metal slug. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then you realize that it's actually one person layering playthroughs looping over back the top and, of itself. Yeah. Over, yeah, yeah, looping, yeah. yeah. It's, and I, I really – I think that's a really cool um, – I don't know, just general design space. It's, that game's fun. Yeah. I'll definitely get the Cappy whole Cappy is so weird because out. the fact that that and Below are both basically the two games they're making right now and you can tell how they came kind of from the same place but they're also really different. And yeah, I think that's for sure. I think well, that's yeah, awesome. Cappy games have spanned a really broad like, thematic broad, and yeah. like it's visual cool. and gameplay range because like those guys started with – um, bad old like, cell phone games. <laughs> okay, well, okay, yeah. Post like Critter Crunch, though. they made Critter, Critter Crunch, Crunch, and they made the which actually like a lot. Magic um, uh, Clash of the, Heroes, Clash of Heroes, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I also liked. Yeah, um, I mean, it feels like the like the the through thread of all those games is just like artistically incredibly well rendered. Like whether it's through just yeah, like, but very different style. Yeah, but it's always like the height of like the pinnacle of execution on like from a like visual design, from visual design mm. and yeah. animation. Also, I've heard their new game below is really cool, and I I know basically nothing about it because every time yeah. for for it's the longest time some recent events. I know, right? Yeah. That's when I started hearing about it again because yeah. for a long time their marketing stuff was like very vague, which makes sense. It kind of had like teasers, a sorcery feel to it, and you didn't know if it was just. Well, sort it of looked like, like a combination of sorcery and like really, really, really zoomed out Zelda. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, structurally, I, I get the impression it's very roguelike. Okay. Yeah. But, which you know that kind of thing is up my alley. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. No, but I. I uh, I started hearing stuff about it now that it's been playable. Yeah, PAX East, that's where it's PAX playable. East, right. Yeah. And it does seem like just like the little thing. I haven't like gone and I don't really like read previews anymore, I guess. But like just picking up people talking about it on Twitter and, and hearing things, it, it sounds like a, a game that that it like has a lot of kind of depth and player kind of focus on it. Yeah. Which, I was like, talking to Chris Pirotowski. Pirotowski. Cappy's creative director at a, at a thing in Toronto back in November. And they, yeah, he was putting a lot of very intentional thought into below, not just like, Oh, it's a roguelike, but it's like, they want to do some pretty specific things with it, which mm-hmm. is really rad. Cool. I like, I like the kind of, uh, this is not surprising to anyone. Cause I, so many of the games I've, I like are this, but um, I really like games that take that, general kind of roughest template of kind of what a roguelike is but then just layer entirely different kind of assumptions onto it yeah you know like it's actually always been hard for me to get into sort of actual traditional roguelikes that people who like roguelikes are into right whereas spelunky and the binding of isaac are two of your most played games like this decade right (laughs) and like ftl for example yeah is also up there yeah yep yeah yep i just want to eat all those I know. Ropes. I want to start eating these goldfish. It's killing me. But we should right, read, some, read some, some mail uh, from readers. some electronic reader mail. Um, let's mm. see here. I have some queued up. 
Sean's leaving. He has no time for the readers. Fair enough. Um, okay. Drew Dunay writes, Hey guys, lately I've been studying how feedback is delivered in different games and how it affects the experience. Basically, I hate how important it is. Is there even a difference between the feedback a game is giving you and the way you enjoy it? Are games all feedback? Thanks. Thanks, Drew Dunay. P.S. My last name is pronounced Dunay. Nailed it. You did it. Oh, man. Francophone Remo. What if I just What if I just changed the P.S.? Like, when I read the, the P.S., <laughs> I just changed it to the bullshit way that I said his name. You don't know, listening to this. That's true. Only Drew Dunay knows. Oh, every time. He's just cringing. Yeah. I, I don't I'm trying to figure out what that actually means. Yeah, feedback is a really broad term. Yeah. Because, I mean, by definition, right, like games are interactive things. Right. Ergo, you have to perform mm-hmm. some input and receive an output. So, mm-hmm. like, at the most general level, I wonder all, if all he, games are output. Of course. And I wonder I wonder if maybe he's making a distinction between kind of... Like, great job, boink, 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 everything's right. popping. Like when, you, yeah. when you, like, yeah. in, a, in a first-person shooter, if you click the mouse button to fire the gun and you see and hear the bullet fire, like, that's feedback... But he maybe he means like is he talking about like the donk? Is he talking about like, like when you hit the guy and click three feedback, and yeah, that wouldn't actually <laughs> exist in the world. Like text that comes up, or yeah, the donk, or like a point, or like yeah, a, maybe I'm not sure exactly what he's asking. Yeah, I mean like, I, the more like DDR style overlays on top right, of the traditional. Right. That definitely is a thing game. that can get really obnoxious for oh, yeah. sure. Um, what was that? There was a first person game. It came out a couple of years ago that was like Bulletstorm? Yeah, Bulletstorm was oh, like right. it was like that to the just max. Super arcadey like mm-hmm. everything fed back like exponentially more than it like needed mm-hmm. to in quotes. Yeah, you but got that was like a deliberate, combo that was a deliberate aesthetic. Yeah. So, like, that was on yeah. purpose because they were trying to make an arcade game, basically. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean there, there were plenty of other There's also that game, The Club. Oh yeah. That was kind of like that. That game as well. was weird but actually really good. Yeah, it was actually and really fun. It was kind of like a Tony Hawk game or something but, but with shooting but like games. an action game yeah yeah we just mentioned bullets yeah. yeah 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 sorry yeah. sean just came back i had to go to the bathroom he reconciled with the readers good work i came to, i came to the conclusion that i would miss the readers more than, <laughs> than, than, I, can, than I can handle yeah 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 i don't know maybe maybe write back and clarify yeah kinds of feedback you mean yeah. but uh, uh muhammad fami says Hey guys, I only started listening to Idle Thumb since since late August, so you can mm. say I'm a new fan. But as a new fan, I was wondering, do you guys ever play or talk about Japanese games besides the one that Nintendo does? Dark as Souls. someone from Southeast Asia, I can confirm Japanese games are very popular here. And I think also popular in the USA. But the only Japanese games I ever hear you guys talking about are Zelda, Mario, and Pikmin. There's this one time where Greg Kasavin became a guest and talked about Bravely Default. I ask because right now I'm playing a puzzle slash visual novel called Virtue Last Reward, which is so good. Because you guys are developers that make games with heavy narrative, I really recommend the game for you. But I suggest playing the first game, 999, before this one. I know about 999. Yeah. Is that the Nine Doors line, whatever? I yeah. think so. Yeah. I'm so. I'm... Oh, okay, go. I know a game with 999 and Virtue's Last Reward as the titles are weird, but trust me, they're amazing. Thanks and peace be with all of you. Regards, Muhammad Fami. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we don't... It's so funny because I just don't think, like, we're... It's not good. I don't think it's actually, like, a good thing that we're this way, but, like... For some those, a lot of Japanese games just don't speak to me like that I'm, way. I don't like. Well, I'm never like. like oh been, yeah, I gotta play that. I feel like I, that's been a development that has just that is coincidentally and not. I don't think because of the podcast. I don't think the podcast has made me play Japanese games less. But I have noticed coincidentally that roughly in the span of time we've been doing this podcast, I have separately 
found fewer and fewer Japanese games. That, I imagine a, do you think that, that, didn't used, that didn't used to be a thing. Like I used to play a lot of Japanese games. Do you think it's because you were forced to play more of them when you were in the press? Maybe. I don't think I don't think so. I think Jake has gone through that same thing. In the in the era like when the when the the first DS came out, which was like sort of I guess also GameCube era and PS like like late PS2 era, I think. Sure. I played a ton of Japanese games. Like I I, it was admittedly I, I had a DS, yeah. but like that was also when uh, like Hotel Dusk and Phoenix Wright were yeah. and Professor Layton were were blowing up the world and everyone was looking like I played a lot of more sort of visual novelty type stuff. I played a lot like I and there I've was never, an era where I thought like the greatest games ever were uh, like Resident Evil, Evil 4, 4 and Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was a huge and, Resident Evil 4 proponent. Yeah, I imagine I mean, probably I still think that game's platform has a lot to do with it, right? And Persona. Japanese yeah. games tend not to come out on PC, and obviously, lots of people here are heavy PC people. That's a good point. Yeah. It also seems that, like that, the, probably, that's probably that's probably works towards it. it. And that's getting better too, right? Like yeah, that is improving. The Dark Souls conversation. Yep. I just I don't know enough about what's going on in like just the Japanese game development scene at this point, and it feels like that's I don't like. Is it just there's less stuff that I would find interesting? Is it there's actual? Muhammad is it there's no. is there actual like cultural stagnation in that space? Well, but like one like, of the things that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, just being at GDC this year, it was it was interesting to look back to when I was at GDC ten years ago. Specifically, even just, or actually, just specifically, the GDC awards. Yeah. There was, Japanese games used to get nominated all the time. It was a fifty fifty split or more in favor of Japan than uh, American North, like North American European game development. Yeah. But I, maybe two or three Japanese games were even nominated across for, yeah, anything across total. the GDC yeah. award and the IGF. Yeah. And they were and, all from Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, and that, all of them except for one. There was, I think, a Devil May Cry game. Oh no, that wasn't even a Japanese game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It it made me <laughs> just wonder: Are my interests, which are just not really in what's going on in Japan, aligned with the rest of the game development community? Like, is there a is there a deliberate blind spot going on? Like, or is it yeah, just? But, uh, but the biggest games that know, get talked about in the press are also right. less and less frequently Japanese. It's not yeah. just the game development community. Yeah. And I, I part of what it feels like to me, and please. I, I'm sure this is obviously a, just a very specific to my perspective and is not necessarily – this is not like a researched opinion. Um, the feeling that I get over the last, I would say, five years or so has been that a lot of Japanese development has focused – well, not just Japanese development, but I would say a lot of game development in general outside of like the highest end stuff. You know, high, like highest end meaning biggest budget, not necessarily best. But like a lot of game development has started to become – more specific in its in like the themes that it's dealing with and like the way things are represented and the the result of that for Japanese games to me feel it feels like a Japanese games are kind of doubling down in a lot of ways on kind of like anime tropes and like certain Japanese game conventions that are a little more specific and that was one of the reasons that even though I didn't play tons of Dark Souls 1, I did, I did, you know, play it sometimes and I played tons of Demon Souls. And that to me felt like such an interesting yeah. exploration of like some very traditional Japanese kind of game design principles, but also like a complete lack of like sense of being beholden to them. Yeah. Like that felt like it felt like such a progressive, interesting exploration of concepts that included some like traditional Japanese game design concepts, but was not, yeah. was not like, kind of in thrall to them. And a lot of times when I, even just when I see screenshots from a lot of kind of current Japanese games, it feels like they're 
doubling down so much on things that are just personally less interesting to me. Um, like a lot of anime style things and like kind of mecha robot stuff and like things that are just not like inherently bad, but just definitely a lot less up my alley. Whereas a lot of the Western games I play these days are also very specific, like smaller scale games, you know, independent games, PC games often are much more specific as well. They, it just so happens that I, I guess culturally, like that's, it's, that's it's, it feels like, like easier for me to digest. It's under 10 years ago, but there was like, I, I feel like this, the game development studios that I was most actively paying attention to were uh, like Clover Studios making Beautiful mm-hmm. Joe Okami, Grasshopper yeah. Manufacturer making. Yep. Uh, also Grasshopper. Was that. Yeah. Grasshopper uh, made Killer 7, Killer 7 and, and, 7 no, more heroes. and no More Heroes. Yep. But yeah, then no also like, I fucking like Team Ico, who's disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth, and uh, like <laughs> Keta Takahashi was making Katamari games at Namco, but it felt like there was just uh-huh. this huge breadth of stuff. Yeah. And I don't. And that's where I'm like, is that stuff not coming out now or do I just not know about it? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering as well. I imagine part of it too is that the, um, like, obviously the West has a much more vibrant independent scene than Japan has, right? Like, significantly so. Like, a lot of the most interesting. Yeah. Well, it feels like a lot of the people in that crew of people that I just. Independent requires open platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's just like it does. in terms of like yeah. business culture, that's that's, gotta, that's a thing that be, exists way less. That's fascinating less too, to me. Right? I wish I knew more about that. But what I hope is that like that's kind of start finally starting to turn around. Like right. I forget the guy's name, but the guy who made all the Mega Man stuff just went independent mm-hmm. to Making make his own, Mighty yeah. Number Nine. Mighty Number Nine. Yeah. Uh, Ko- uh, Ko- Koji Igarashi just left to do his yeah, own independent thing, awesome. which is yeah. going to be amazing. Um, so it's like it would be rad if like three years from now there was a super vibrant like independent Japanese yeah, game scene. Like because of the wonder, really <laughs> big people <laughs> with oh, like yeah. followings and audiences mm-hmm. say show, show that they can do it, that a bunch of people yeah. who are less known but have also rad ideas then like try to follow. I exact conversation uh, on this podcast before. I'm sure we have. I feel yeah. like it might have been when Nels was on last time. Oh, God, really? Uh, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> maybe not. Anyway, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Yeah. It was only, yeah. I'm always interested in like what, like, I think it's probably easier, correct me if I'm wrong, to be an indie, like, set out on your own, take a big risk developer in Canada than it is in America. Oh, yeah. Because if you get sick, <laughs> you're not <laughs> fucked. You like, also get this, like, crazy time setting up the company where I was just like, Jake, don't get sick. And it was right after I had gotten a motorcycle, motorcycle accident. So I was like, <laughs> okay, don't ride my bike until yeah. until the company's set up. Uh, so I always feel like it's, like, easier to, like, not easier, but, like, you can kind of like jump out and have a little yeah, bit of a slightly safety more. Of a I don't know what that's yeah. like in Japan. I yeah. guess that's kind of my question. I don't know what healthcare is like. I don't know what cost of living is like. I don't know any of those sorts of things because they, they all play they do a role. Have social healthcare because everywhere does. Aside from America, not everywhere. Not everywhere. Yeah. Every everywhere in like yes, the yes. first world or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That stuff's. I don't know. It'll be like I said. It'll be really interesting to see where that stuff goes in like two or three years. Great. I do think the platform thing is not. Oh yeah, that's it's definitely a big. Part like I'm not saying it's the only. But I think reason, it's probably it's more like it's reason. like it's there's sort of an ideological blocker too because you're yeah. like, oh, if I'm a game developer, it has to be yeah. like this. Yeah. I got to make a console like game, which means like I, I have an idea. I want to make a game, but I want people who share my sensibilities to play it. That's <laughs> a better like way it. of articulating, you know? it. yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing like technically stopping them from just putting like for a Japanese developer to say, oh, we're only going to be on PC. No, unless there's a lack of documentation also on the tool tool sets that they would be. You know what I mean? Like there may also just be less Japanese language documentation for the tools that Indies yeah. would use because 
they yeah, are. It is a smaller market yeah. probably for indies. Even technology-wise, like in general, Japanese development never really used license engines, right? Like that's true too. That's yeah. It that's was almost really, always yeah, yeah, big yeah. in-house stuff, yeah. which also makes that like I think it wasn't like there's was one thing. There's like tons of little oh, for things sure. that just made that gap yeah. of jumping to independent even wider yep. in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Miyamoto is going to go indie. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, Robert Adams the third says, "Oh, oh my God, <laughs> Miyamoto and Molyneux." Yeah, Molyneux. Yeah. Molyneux. Molyneux. Robert Adams the third writes, "Hello, I was wondering if I don't have a platform preference and a game's available on Steam as a console download and as a physical copy from GameStop or a big box like Target." Which purchase would help the developers most? By which I mean, how do they get the biggest cut? Thanks, Shiny Rob from Pennsylvania. Totally depends. Not retail. It Don't it, buy a disc. Yep. Yeah. It does That's depend, but I would say good. your best bet would be the direct download on a PC platform. That yeah. is like Actually, the most go to their website yeah. first. So and see that's number one. Because yeah. then it's just the if they, humble... If they sell it through a Humble widget, that is the way they get the That's definitely the way to get yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But like now, the split... Unless you have a very specific deal, but like at the most like general starting point for these things, uh, seventy thirty seems to be and that's pretty, 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 yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty commonplace. Board, so if, like mm-hmm. something like that's seventy like Transistor is probably a good example because like they're self publishing on PS4, even though they're like have mm-hmm. a lot of PS4 support um, marketing wise. I'm pretty sure they're just self publishing that the same way they would on Steam, and those splits would be the same. Yep, right. So because I was actually just thinking about this in the last reader mail. Because I was thinking about playing Transistor and I pre-ordered it last night on Steam. And I was like, oh, maybe I... Oh, man, Transistor was going to be my excuse to buy a PS4. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just buy it on there, too. <laughs> <laughs> that was my entire thought process. God, Transistor, that's one thing you can do. That. If you yeah, really want to help a developer, real. buy all. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. If, you're if you have the money to consider buying the boxed version in a store, you could probably buy multiple digital downloads yeah. for the same amount and they would get way or more like money. buying things... Yeah. Uh, like, if from their website, they offer, like... Mm-hmm. For thirty bucks, you also get the soundtrack. That yeah. stuff's always or an a additional huge help because that stuff, like, yeah. like the margins are so. Th- there's higher. a hundred. There's yeah, it's in, yeah. it's a hundred percent margin on something like a soundtrack because that music was already like recorded and mastered and packaged up anyway. So yep. it's like it's really good. Those things are always really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're really curious for a also just start sending game, them checks in the mail. No, you can. <laughs> most developers will just tell you on Twitter if they care. Also, a lot of developers don't care. I mean, you can you can choose for yeah. yourself. You choose as a customer to maximize it, but also, if it's a developer who sells who who has their own website set up and for whom you can talk to directly on Twitter, there's a good chance that they're only putting games on the platforms they're putting them on because they're okay with you buying the game from them. So, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. That that's not. No, that's, that's not the heart of the question, not but yeah, true. <laughs> that can be true, but I definitely know from personal experience that it's okay. Is not not always the case, but yeah. Um, cool. Hooray. You guys, want to call it? We will call it. Yeah. Right. This was Idle Thumbs episode one fifty seven, and I'm Sean Vanderman. Was it at one fifty eight? No, it was one fifty seven. No, it was one fifty seven. Oh, okay, good. If you have a question, write us. I'm just trying to help. And idlethumbs.net. Hmm. Mel's is just trying to help. Video game. This episode is brought to you by NatureBox. Yes, thank you, NatureBox. Yeah, a subscription service for delicious snacks sent to your home or office. You can go to naturebox.com slash thumbs 
for half off your first nature box. Pointing at me. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna you know how sometimes you get like like once the the plug train starts to leave the tra- the station. I was done with the plug train. I know. Well, I, I, I wasn't though, because I was going to be like, oh also. Oh also. Know. We're recording a new episode of Dota Today tomorrow with uh AC, a like well known caster from the StarCraft nice. two scene and from the Dota scene. Sweet. You know what? I think I am actually gonna let the let the plug train roll on for a minute because it's been a really long time since we actually talked about what else is at idlethumbs.net and it feels like it That's might be idea. worth doing for a second. Because yeah, why not? Can I mention one thing before you do that? Yes. Shirts are going into production on Monday. Idle Vice. Yeah. The guy who does them is like sick this week. He's like at home dying. But um, hopefully he makes it. And by Monday we'll be making the shirts. Store.idlethumbs.net. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are the podcast Idle Thumbs. And we're at idlethumbs.net. But as some of you know, um, but some of you might not know, idlethumbs.net is also a network of other gaming-related podcasts. So in addition to us, which is a general rambling mess... (laughs) Um, the, we also, uh, host three moves ahead, which is a war and strategy gaming podcast that's produced weekly. They have over 250 250 episodes. It's, it's it's huge. It's, um, the hosts are Troy Goodfellow and Rob Zachney who are just deep into the world of strategy gaming. They talk, they have great guests all the time. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Rob also has a nice voice. He does. Yes. Also a good Um, guy. They're both good guys. Yeah. It seems like it happens about once every three to four weeks at this point, but it's a big schedule is Dota Today, which is Sean and Brad Muir and occasionally Nick Brecken's uh, Dota And occasional guests. And occasional yeah. guests. Um, I listen to that podcast every time it comes out, even though I don't play Dota. Me too. Um, Nels, who's sitting next to me, hosts Terminal 7, which is a podcast about the card game Netrunner, which is, I think, every other week? Yeah-ish. Like every two, three weeks. And then um, just this last week... The final episode of Tone Control, which is Steve Gaynor's uh, interview, interviews with game developers podcast went up. It was the 14th episode and he talked to Ken Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, that series has been outrageous. It's been like my favorite yeah, thing that's it's, ever it's been really on Idle Thumbs. Yeah. And um, that's done more sort of like in a block of a season. Think of it more. Yeah, like he, did, he did 15 episodes yeah. over the last yeah. or 14 he, episodes over the last seven months. He may be back in the future with a new season of Tone Control, but he said it would probably have a slightly different identity than this one did. But yeah, If you haven't listened to Tone Control and want to listen to pretty long, in-depth interviews with people like Ken Levine, Tim Schafer, Tom Francis, Jake, Jake Solomon, Jake, Solomon Jake Rodkin and Sean Vanneman, Clint Hawking, creator of Far Cry 2, uh, and a bunch of other people. He, Brendan a, Chung. Brendan Chung's That's on one. That's probably my favorite one, actually. It's a good series. Yeah. Um, do we host any other podcasts? No. Not that I can remember. <laughs> oh, if you go... <laughs> and we're happy to announce that because we said for the month of May we'd be reading A Sun Also Rises, this month we'll be bringing back The Idol Book Club yep. with The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Okay, you ready to do this shit, it. Chris? I am ready. You don't look ready. Well, I'm going to have to reread that book because I read it a year ago last May. <laughs> but, uh, they drink a lot and they go to a bullfight. That the part end. I remember. Yeah, that's <laughs> and basically that was all you need that. to know. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Idol, Idol Book Club. Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, play us out, Alex. We're not going to splice Alex Ashby in right there, but we should. Chris Motherfucker, I did it again! You did. Yeah. Nailed it. Let us not record out of the <laughs> five days. And on the fifth day, I will have played a video game. Yeah. You didn't like sitting by me, huh? No, because I like looking at you. <laughs> Contact I'll take it. Oculus. That's true. Ocular? Ocular? Jake is one of the most entertaining people to look at. <laughs>
Jake is the reason I have eyes. <laughs> I'm really excited to open that candy. Is this really a box of candy? Who is to say? Who is to say? Uh, 